It's Altered States of Context. Welcome back. Today, Brian and I will be talking about a question that may be a lot more complicated than it seems on the surface. Today, we'll discuss whether therapists who wish to practice psychedelic-assisted psychotherapy should be required to have their own experience with psychedelic medicines. Brian and I's initial reaction on this question is both identical, kind of duh. But upon deeper reflection, there are a number of layers and issues that make it much more complicated and worth thinking about the implications in both directions. We also want to prime listeners that in two weeks, we'll be releasing an interview that we are really excited about. The one and only Stephen C. Hayes will be on the podcast. That'll be two weeks from today. Uh, We unpack a whole range of things, and I think we'll have the opportunity to listen to Steve talk about things that I'm not sure he's talked about a lot in other places. So while he's, um, you can find Steve on a lot of podcasts, a million publications and all over the place, I think we'll be covering some pretty interesting and new ground. And we're very excited to release that episode in two weeks and hope you all tune in. As for right now, should aspiring psychedelic assisted psychotherapists be required to have experience with psychedelic medicines? Enjoy the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Altered States of Context. How are you today, Nate? Good. Very good. So today we thought we'd talk about the role of therapists' firsthand experiences with psychedelics. So this is something that uh, an issue that comes up in this field, uh, a question about to what degree do therapists need to have their own personal experience with psychedelics in order to do psychedelic-assisted therapy, or even maybe to perhaps provide psychedelic integration therapy to clients. So we're going to dig into this topic and and see if we can explore different sides of uh, this issue uh, and see if we can bring some clarity to to what you know this, this question. So, Nate, what comes to mind for me first in this uh, this issue is. You know, I wonder if we would even be asking this question if psychedelics were legally available, right? I think that's part of what makes this a little trickier because to say that therapists should have their own experience for the most part means that therapists need to do something illegal or, you know, have the means to, uh, you know, there's exceptions or, you know, having the means to go to a different country or using a substance that is legal like ketamine. So I don't know what your initial thoughts are. Yeah, you know, you, that's important to point out. It's almost like there's two separate questions, right? Like the first question is just like whether a therapist in a you know in a perfect world, whether a, a potential psychedelic assisted psychotherapist should have firsthand personal experience. Um, but then there's the other question of is it 
is there a way in our current um, legal environment, um, clusterfuck environment, uh, as I might as well say, um, to do that, to, to say, hey, you, you have to break the law if you want to do this work or pay like, um, you know, thousands upon thousands of dollars to, you know, go do this experience at a retreat or something where you're not going to be breaking the law. So, so there's sort of two separate questions. Um, I'd rather, I guess, think about the se- the, the, the first question of whether it's just like a important, just in, you know, in a, in a perfect world in which we don't have to worry about the legal question, you know, cause there's so many distortions yeah. that are created by the legal question. It's like, uh, you know, that's really thorny. So it might be better, I think, to just kind of be like, well, okay, if we didn't have to deal with that, what would ideal look like? And then, and then, you know, how do we create, you know, how do we work um, in this fluid environment of um, moving towards hopefully um, a post-prohibition relationship with these drugs? You know, what's, what's the sort of um, ideal that we would like to shoot for? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, this is something that is, um, you know, being played out in, in current training programs. So we could talk a little bit about like Ma- how MAPS is handling this and uh, how in Oregon, uh, in the first initial cohorts of psilocybin training programs might handle this. Um, but I agree that, you mm-hmm. know, like if we put the legal question aside and say that, you know, psychedelics were somehow freely available to anyone who chooses, you know, would, you know, to, to, to what degree do therapists need to have a personal experience or maybe that's not important at all? Mm-hmm. So do you have a, I think uh, the prevailing opinion, go ahead. I was just going to ask you what, Go ahead. I was going to ask what the, your opinion was or the prevailing opinion. It seems like the prevailing opinion is yes, that therapists should have some personal experience. Um, uh, Jeff uh, Gus and Elizabeth Nielsen wrote a paper on this, uh, which we can link to um, and kind of talk about this, you know, as an empirical question. In other words, we don't know from an empirical standpoint, you know, what degree of training is necessary or not, you know, um, I, you know, is it like, do these experiences make you a better therapist? Um, and, and how many experiences do you need to be considered trained or to be considered, uh, having the, the you know, a, a certain amount of experience that would be helpful in psychedelic assisted therapy. So, you know, you could approach this from an empirical standpoint that we just don't know, um, my personal opinion is that, yes, it does seem important. I, I try to stay away from, you know, rigid rules. Um, so I would say it, it's, it's never possible. Like there's, I imagine there are some people out there who would make great facilitators or great psychedelic therapists who, who haven't had their own psychedelic experiences. But for the most part, it's hard for me to imagine uh, a guide, a facilitator, a therapist being with me in a deep psychedelic state, if they haven't had some degree of experience in um, a, a similar altered state of consciousness. Yeah, you know, I've uh, I've tended to strongly agree with that. Um, 
I, I've tried to kind of soften my thinking around it in the last few months, just to kind of consider like, okay, let's, let's, let's um, look at this from other angles. Cause like my initial sort of, uh, you know, impulse is like, well, of course, <laughs> duh. <laughs> it's, it's literally that it's duh. That is my initial take on it. Um, mm-hmm. And it's hard to me for me to imagine in some cases it's like, well, why would you want to, <laughs> Why, why would you want to do the work and like go through and be that without, if you didn't have like, but you know, that's just my initial response um, and how it's always been. But if I think, and like I have been trying to be more open-minded about it. Um, and I think one reason that people might want to is because they can see, um, you know, they're seeing the attention, you know, they're seeing, you know, in some cases, as we've talked about some of the hype, but also some of the data, some of the indications are like, wow, this could be really helpful. And so they're drawn to it because they, um, you know, they believe it could be helpful. They draw, they're drawn to it because it seems effective and they want to be a part of that um, and maybe don't have personal experience. Um mm-hmm. You know, in a way, that's that's great. You know, with having people who are drawn to it for, for those reasons are you know are wonderful. Um, and certainly, I, I I do agree that you know there are qualities of a person that could make for an excellent uh, accompaniment to someone who's in a psychedelic space. You know, like somebody who's just really calm and patient and present. And so, I think there's a lot of qualities, and it would be interesting to know, like. Uh, you know, it'd be, uh, you know, what are those qualities? Um, and, um, and then just looking for people with those qualities, whether or not they have, uh, whether they have psychedelic experience or not, you know, that being said, I think I still lean towards, um, towards yes. You know, I saw some comments too, cause this was just being discussed, um, not that long ago, um you know, on Twitter and, and then kind of one of the jokes was like, you know, well, do we expect, you know, cancer doctors to take their own oncology drugs? Do we, t- do, you know, and I, you know, and those were being put out there as if it was some sort of clever retort, but I really didn't, I thought, I didn't think that was a very good example um, because it is a very reductionistic view of what happens with psychedelics and what, you know, psychedelic, I think therapy or being with someone who is experiencing psychedelics is, which is, you know, there's this experience and this experience is one that um, makes no sense to your normal waking mind makes no sense at all. Um, And I think back to, you know, especially when I was younger and I would trip and we, I'd go be out in public. Um, There's not anything I would do anymore. Like no, no desire for that. But like, you know, in college, that age, stuff like that. And like the last thing in the world I wanted to do was interact with or really be around. I'd find myself just having to retreat quickly. Like people who were not tripping is like, whoa, no, nope, 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 nope. Um, it's so jarring. Right. And obviously we're not talking about people tripping in the session with somebody. Um, but I think that if you've had that experience and kind of like, I, and understand that territory in a, in a personal way. Um, I think it's just much more likely that you're going to be able to be present and, and, um, 
and understand what's going on with the person you're sitting with, you know, like understand their process, understand the kind of different uh, realms or experiences they might be having. And I think it makes you more likely to be able to respond appropriately because you know the territory. Yeah, I, I agree that for me, it's my initial response is like, you know, duh, of course. Um, and I'm also trying to have an open mind about, you know, maybe not, maybe, maybe, you know, let, let's look at this. And if, if we were to, you know, try to un, really unpack, why does it seem like the obvious answer to us? Like, what is it about having your own experience that makes you a better therapist? You just named a few there, uh, you know, knowing the territory. So having some familiarity with what a particular medicine is, right? And, and so we could even say maybe it's necessary for a therapist to have psychedelic experience with the medicine that they're working with, right? Because each each medicine has a can have a very different territory or different um, experiential um, range of. Uh, Te, you know, landscapes. Um, and I think, you know, another that you, that you mentioned there is uh, being prepared for what could come up, right? So to, to have your own personal experiences and to have enough of them to get a, a sense of the variability that can occur and especially the more challenging experiences. Uh, I think, you know, having your own challenging experiences while uh, obviously uncomfortable at the time can be really valuable um, in, in navigating uh, challenging experiences with clients that you might be sitting with or that you might be integrating with. Yeah. 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 I, I, Cause I think it's just so hard to, uh, um, well, like we spoke about, you know, just a couple of weeks ago with, um, you know, my own, some of your challenging experiences, like it's just, I think, I think it's very hard to, um, I think it's very hard to understand that if you haven't experienced it, you know, and, and to, to really, if you're the person you're sitting with is having one of those deeply difficult experiences, I do think it's really helpful to, um, understand what that is. And of course, um, you know, people, uh, you know, we'll point out that you know, therapists all the time empathize with their clients, right? Like we sit with, and we we don't share all of their life experiences. We don't share everything, um, you know, and we can empathize and we can, you know, identify and we can, you know, there's still ways that we can connect and provide good support, even though we haven't had those experiences ourselves. Um, but I think there is one, you know, there is a, a certain intensity and a certain, um, non uh, obviously non ordinariness of this experience for one thing. And plus we're also, that's the treatment and it's being intentionally evoked, right? Like this experience is intentionally being evoked, which is really different than trying to empathize with something that your client's telling you about their experience. Like this is one that I therapist am using, you know, with you. Um, so it's an experience that we're saying is, um, uh, is part of the treatment. So I, mean, I, I just think knowing what that is, is, is pretty important. I think there might be, you know, kind of a thing. It, it depends how you view it. And, and as we've talked a lot about and will like, I very much view, I know you do too, like the psychedelic, it's an experience that you learn from, 
right? Like that's to me, that's the, 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 in, in very short terms, like that's, that's what changes that, like, that's the mechanism here. It's an experience that you learn from, right? Like, and I think if, if, if someone were to view it more as like, Hey, well, it's, it's a drug you take that does something in your brain and resets your depression or whatever language you want to use. Like if you viewed it as more of a biochemical thing, I guess it wouldn't really matter that much if you had that experience because it's not like it's just a it's not about the experience it's not about connecting it's just about like hey you know this is this this sort of reset or it's this but you know i don't view it that way i think it's an i very strongly believe it's an experience that then is learned from and if if there's an opportunity for the facilitator to understand that experience it's not a shared experience but it can be shared i think more effectively with somebody who very much knows what that territory is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, to give a concrete example of that, um, you know, a very common experience, and I've had many of these experiences myself, very common experience in a psychedelic state, um, I think probably more commonly with plant medicines, is some form of communication with some other intelligence or entity or spirit. Um, it's very hard to describe, um, but I, I can imagine that if I didn't have those experiences and clients talked about things like that, I would be more quick to get judgy with them, or I would be more dismissive of that. Um, cause on, on, on one hand from my, you know, rational, secular, um, you know, uh, environmental conditioning, that sounds crazy. Um, and yet, you know, having had those experiences, when someone shares with me that they've communicated with something, I'm like, oh, cool. Tell me about it. Right. It it allows me to approach it from a much different perspective than I might if I, if I, if I didn't go there, you know, if I didn't have some relatable sense of what that might be like. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. You know, another, I, I think, uh, um, a sort of tangent off this question or like it's implied is so we're saying like a i mean and I, and I think mostly agree like yeah probably should have experience but then there's a question of like well how much experience um right right like it's like once twice like you should like during a training program you should do like one or two experiences so that you have had the experience um because certainly, um, yeah, if, if you've taken it a time or two, in other words, what's the goal of it, right? Because if you've taken it a time or two, you're like, okay, well, I see there's some really weird stuff. But I mean, I think that you have only um, a very kind of like a superficial knowledge from, from one or two. Or or should it be like an expectation that if you want to be a psychedelic guide, you should have a practice or have had a practice for a period of time uh, so that you... Um, you know, because I'm just imagining like a, you know, a 24 year old recent grad who trips once, right? It's like, okay. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm not disparaging that person at all. Everybody starts somewhere. That's fine. But like, how much, uh, you know, could you say that because they tripped once, they now like know the territory and can relate and are somewhat adept with helping someone in this state? Like, not really. Um, versus someone right. like, like, what, 
there's a, yeah, I think the first question is experience or no, and then, well, how much and for what purpose? Yeah. 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 It's, it's really interesting. And if we look to other cultures or traditions uh, that have used psychedelics as part of their tradition, right? It's not uncommon for someone who is going to be a psychedelic healer to, you know, have many, many experiences to, to undergo years of training. Uh, you know, I know, um, you know, like with ayahuasca, you, you know, there's, I, I've heard of um, uh, sorts of expectations of where you go off uh, on your own for a month and you drink tea like every night or every other night, or, you know, you're having these regular ongoing experiences and, and in a, in a group setting as well, like you're, you're having your own individual experiences, but you're also having a group experience. So you're just collecting all of this um, experience so that when you're out leading a psychedelic experience on your own, you, you, you're prepared for all the different things that can come up. Yeah. And you know, there's one thing in that, uh, one thing that, uh, in the paper that I referenced was discussed was that in mental health treatment, there is some, um, precedent for requiring that you've done the therapy that you're doing. Right. I think this was more mm-hmm. practiced in the earlier days of therapy and in psycho psychoanalysis. And, you know, it used to be common in graduate school that you would undergo therapy for some time. We've, we've definitely moved away from that, at least as psychologists, that's not a requirement. It, it might be for some other mental health degrees, um, it was another in, in, in my uh, particular exam- program. I, I had a therapy. I had a therapy requirement, um, and like you said, I think it used to be ubiquitous and sort of like a kind of one of those duh things, right? Like, yeah, if you're going to do therapy, right. you should have had therapy so you know what's up, right? And you know, another example is the MBSR, mindfulness-based stress reduction. To be a certified MBSR teacher, you need to have a certain degree of meditation experience on your own, a regular meditation practice, mm-hmm. have, uh, having gone to um, long meditation retreats. Um, so there are some other examples of where it, you know, this is already part of the the expectation and training uh, in mental health. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. And <clears throat> pardon me. I think that, uh, um, this is all very complicated by the fact that none of this sort of exists, <laughs> you know, so it's not like it's, yeah. uh, you know, like have an apprentice, you know, like, uh, like maybe an apprentice, apprentice to what, like, who are we apprenticing to? There is no, um, established, um, you know, above ground, um, tradition here and there are some that are either below ground or there's indigenous traditions i don't mean to imply that there aren't um you know traditions that people can you know they can learn from that go back um that have deeper roots um but you know at a at a broad scale and certainly not in a in a in a mental health setting um this is all sort of being invented right now um and so um it's, it's unclear how to train people into a model (laughs) that's just now being invented and you know and you have to think about what's the role of the therapist right and is the therapist who is um sitting with someone the the therapist who's who's the 
you know, in a session, you know, like, is that person, um, do they need to be like adept in the psychedelic, uh, sort of space? Um, or are they sort of more just like providing comfort, support, and safety, which, you know, if that's the case that requires, you know, I feel like there's much less of a, you know, requirement there, even perhaps not even any experience at all. I could imagine like if really that's the only function is just to be kind of calm and supportive and, um, and, um, safe. Um, or is there an expectation that there, that there is something happening in the room and that you, we need to have, um, really people who are adept with psychedelic experiencing in there. And I mean, that's not clear because that's, not clear exactly what the role of the therapist is in that session. I don't think. Yes. Right. Yeah. And the way that maps is handling this now for their, for their trainings is you need an altered state experience and that could be a holotropic breathwork experience. It could be, you know, they have kind of a list of different mm -hmm. uh, legal options that you can choose from. Um, and the way that I'm not sure how it's going to unfold when Oregon psilocybin services become legal in 2023. Mm -hmm. In other words, the first couple of cohorts of therapists or, or cause it's not just therapists, but people getting licensed as facilitators, there's no facilitators yet for them to have their own experience. So there's going to be some, in the curriculum, in the training program, there's going to be, I believe, some alternative practicum experience that people will get that will kind of be a substitute. And I think the thinking is that, you know, as the, the psilocybin services become implemented and available, then, you know, later facilitators uh, will, you know, have the option and the ability to, to actually have a psilocybin experience um, from someone who went through the training before them. Yeah. You know, it, it does. I mean, I, I do come around to like, why, I mean, why wouldn't you, I mean, if this is something that's interesting to you and this is something like you would like to be a part of psychedelic assisted psychotherapy. I mean, I think, mm -hmm. and if you're like um, doing that and you haven't had the experience and you're sort of like, well, I don't really want to have the experience like, okay. But like, I wonder, I mean, I guess there's, there's, yeah, I, I, yeah, I guess I wonder why. I mean, um, certainly I'm not saying that everybody, um, every person needs to have a psychedelic experience, but also not every person needs to be a psychedelic assisted psychotherapist, right? So like, if you're drawn to that, like, why is it that you would be a part of that and want to be in that and want to facilitate that and be a part of that, but like not, um, uh, not have the experience yourself? I, 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 I I mean, I'd be open to hearing perspectives on that, but I don't understand it, I guess, very well. Yeah, I, 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 I feel the same way. Um, you know, one thing that comes up for me, though, as I start to think about, okay, let's say we all agree it's important to have not just one experience, but, you know, X number of experiences, you know, and then how do we mandate that? Like, are, mm -hmm. are we then, you know requiring people to have multiple experiences, you know, and that sort, sort starts to get away from like personal choice and autonomy to 
and I, I and I believe that you know the tr- the the decision to do psychedelics is a deeply personal choice, mm-hmm. um, and so if we start getting into well, I need to have five you know five gram psilocybin experiences to get my degree. Yeah. Uh, and I, you know, I, I like CEs, I, I procrastinated and I've got to do them all now or like just some situations like that. I, I imagine that's not a great setup either. If people no. feel forced or they don't feel ready. No, 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 absolutely. You know, it takes time and you know, like, yeah, if you had like, a, I, it's a, like a nightmare, right? You have like a five requirements and maybe your fourth is a really challenging experience. <laughs> The really hard one and you're kind of like whoa i need a break but then you you know you're, you're gonna graduate in two months and if you don't do it like yeah no that's a bad scene and and like so that it makes no <laughs> sense right like it makes no sense um so in practice it's like when you think about like uh, making rules about it um that seems like um hard to um yeah, hard to do in a way that has any that, that, that makes sense or is respectful in any way at all. So it's kind of, uh, um, oh yeah, it, it's it's a conundrum. I'm re- thinking about regulating all this anyway is kind of kind of a mind stretcher um, because it challenges um, it just challenges so many of the systems that we currently use and so many of the you know norms that we currently approach questions like this with um it's like well okay yeah that's how we normally do it but it really doesn't make sense one way or the other in this particular like now we have to i think rethink things like uh um i mean i I always like an apprenticeship model seems like something that kind of makes sense to me You mean like where a new psychedelic therapist would be required to kind of shadow or sit in on a more experienced therapist? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, and and part of that would be um, probably having experiences themselves sort of along that apprenticeship pathway at times that were seemed appropriate, you know, um, Uh by the person who's, apprenticing and this is a this is one of many places where i think we should you know to the degree that it's possible like you know rely on the wisdom and experience of underground practitioners and you know more indigenous practices where they're they're there have been systems that have been worked out. I mean, I've heard of underground training programs that are, are sort of like very structured degree programs, except that it's all underground, but there's still a sort of set of expectations and, and hurdles to jump through, just like getting a a graduate degree or a college degree. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I don't know to what degree we're relying on those pre-existing um, systems and, and, and sources of wisdom to kind of guide us in figuring out how to best train, you know, therapists. I think in a lot of ways, it is being kind of built from scratch. It is kind of being built with, uh, you know, um, just a sort of open canvas in terms of, well, because I know this is going on in Oregon, like what training is necessary? And there's a lot of different opinions on that. And I know in Oregon, there is, we, we have gotten input from, 
you know, the psilocybin advisory board has tried to include a diversity of perspectives. Um, but there's, there's a lot of disagreement about what kind of training is necessary to be, a, to be an adequate, at least, a, you know, to, to allow somebody to have a license. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, I don't. I, <laughs> I'm kind of at a loss for words. I'm thinking about this because it is sort of. Um, we need more. Um, yeah, more. You know, more more perspective. But it's part of our our larger problem. I think is a uh, even a, a culture right now, and that um, <clears throat> you know, in some ways, we're so cut off from history and tradition. Um, in our sort of mm-hmm. modern American uh, culture that there's just nothing to build on here. Um, again, I'm not, there is, but it's not something that readily is present in our culture. That That's what I mean. I mean, I don't mean that there's nothing to build on anywhere. I mean that there's not in our, um, you know, in our above board systems, there's, there, there's just nothing to build on. And so then, you know, you want to integrate sort of other perspectives and, uh, you know, ancient perspectives or um, perspectives that are, um, you know, have been continuous over time and uh, underground. It's like, okay, but then, well, no, but I think you should absolutely. And it's challenging to then integrate those into, well, we have nothing, right? It's like, it's like so different mm. and so foreign from how we normally regulate things that like, you know, how do you, mm-hmm. Uh, begin to do that is a is um, uh, you know tremendous question. Yeah, it's there's no easy answers here, and uh, you know this is just one of many uh, many questions about what what this new thing, this psychedelic assisted therapy, is going to look like. Like this is just one of many things that there's not an easy answer for and that but that we need an answer we need to figure out some way to to proceed uh in terms of what are what are the requirements going to be it's kind of what's sort of like um i mean i think it's frustrating i think it's also kind of hilarious um like there's a lot that i've been you know as watching um conversations about psychedelics unfold in the, in the popular press and just any, you know, just among people. Um, there's a part of me that just thinks it's absurd and hilarious um, because it's, it, 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 go, it goes round and around and, and something like this, right? Like where it's like, okay, should psychedelic therapists have experience with psychedelics? And both of you are first response. Like the answer seems like, duh, right? Like it's very simple. Duh. But then you scratch the surface and it's like, oh gosh, now we just have to like basically invent from scratch a whole entire different way of looking at things. <laughs> it's like that with every, it seems like it's like that with everything. It's like, you have a, uh-huh. yeah, it seems like something's pretty straightforward and it's, it's not at all straightforward. And, and there's a variety of perspectives. It's why I think that, that right now it's so contentious. There's so much contentiousness. There's a lot of disagreeableness. Um, uh, you know, uh, in the conversation about psychedelics, um, ironically, a lot of ego <laughs> involved a lot of the time. Um, and yeah, I think it's just partially because it's just so ill-defined and, you know, every question goes like all the way down to, 
uh, you know, a, an extremely basic philosophical question, it seems like. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, it, for me too, it, it, as we talk about this, we're, there's the broader topic of training. What is, um, you know, what is the, the right or the best training for, you know, somebody doing this work? And that's, you know, hard to answer because we don't exactly know what the work is and we don't, you know, and it, I think it depends on, you know, what you're setting out to do. In other words, is it um, more of a wellness kind of situation or is it, you know, treating a more, you know, serious form of mental health disorder? Um, and, and, and so, you know, I think a lot of folks who are very excited and eager to get involved in this space are very confused by uh, the lack of clarity around, you know, what do I do? Do I, what school do I apply to? What degree do I get? And, you know, it's a question I get asked a lot and I, you know, always answer, you know, with some degree of, I'm, I'm not sure. Like we don't, we don't exactly know the path. Mm -hmm. um, you know, maybe in five or 10 years, it'll be clear. Like if you want to be a psychedelic assisted therapist, these are the steps, these, this is the degree, this is the training. Mm -hmm. Um, but we are introducing something that is so unique and novel compared to existing treatments in the mainstream that uh, there's there's a lot of uh, these questions that need to be ironed out. Well, and here's maybe a you know, here's maybe a way to think of it that could be useful is um, you know, instead of thinking about requirements, think about well, what is so if what is the responsibility? of someone who is sitting for someone else. Like what is, what is mm. like, if you're going to sit for a person who is tripping, what is your responsibility in that situation? Like what, what's your responsibility to the person you're sitting for? And that might be a good way to think about what should, you know, then be required. Right. And, and, you know, there's these sorts of emerging, emerging models, right? So on one, a couple of examples of that is, you know, one version of a sitter is just somebody who holds space. They make sure that you don't fall over. They bring you water. They, you know, they're just kind of sitting with you. They, they work the music, you know, they're not really tasked with uh, the content that comes up or anything like that. Right. So um, the responsibility and there there's from that would be like um, safety. Right. Like you're, you're responsible safety. for safety. Yep. You're responsible for like maybe basic physical comfort to the degree possible. Like that, that's a responsibility you agree to take on. Like, um, okay. And then, yeah. What else? Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, all the way, you know, this maybe the other end of that spectrum is you're going to somebody with a very, because you 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 want the person who's with you to use their expertise to guide like a guide right like guiding you to a specific endpoint whether that's some sort of spiritual development or and whether that's help with a mental health issue right uh, mm -hmm. like you're the the person sitting there is um, not just sitting there not just making sure you're safe but they're actually doing things to help you achieve that goal or make the most of your experience. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
Yes. And see, so when I think about it, I guess this is where it gets, um, this is where it gets a little murkier because I don't know um, how, well, I, I don't think we'd know, like we can say scientifically at this point very well, certainly there's not evidence that we know what those best practices are to do, right? And I'm sure that there are people, right? There are people of, you know, various traditions who, um, well, I imagine there are people who within the space of a psychedelic trip, you know, are skillful in that sort of movement, perhaps. But it certainly isn't, we don't have like a, here's how to train somebody to do that. Like, we, we you know, we, we don't even know how to define the terms of what needs to be done, let alone how to then train somebody to be that person in a session. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so if somebody comes along and they think, well, I'm going to have this, but then you're going to help me treat my depression, right? Like I'm expecting you, a therapist, I'm expecting you, um, guide to take me through this trip and lead me to the land of where I'm going to, you know, alleviate my depression. I think that like, ah, that's, I don't think that can be the responsibility of, of, of the therapist, you know, at this point, um, I kind of, I don't know, maybe I, maybe I default to the basic responsibility is safety and comfort. And then, um, before and after care. I had a client who, I don't know the name of the retreat center, but it was a client who was going to some, retreat center in South America for an ayahuasca retreat, you know, one of these like mm -hmm. 10 day or two week kinds of deals. And, um, he showed me the website, you know, gave me the website to look at. And the first page of the, of the retreat center, you know, big letters said something like, come get your miracle, <laughs> uh, or the place where miracles happen, you know, and, uh, I listened to a little bit of the language of the introductory video, and it was all about, yeah, come down here and we will, we will, we will provide you the miracle you're looking for. In other words, it was make, to me, it felt like it was making promises that were pretty grandiose and, and mm -hmm. could be pretty dangerous, uh, especially if someone goes down there and doesn't have a good experience. Um, but, you know, these expectations about what, people are looking for in a psychedelic experience, I think really matter and can mm -hmm. really have a big impact on the outcome. Yeah. Yes. And so like, and that's of course been discussed a lot um, here and elsewhere, of course, the hype, you're right. Like in the buildup that like it's the bubble that's, that's happened mm -hmm. over the last. So like a, a lot of people, you know, are, uh, I think it could have, you know, an expectation of, of a, a cure at this point. And so I think it's important to, um, this isn't me saying at all that I don't think that there's tremendous benefits. I do, but it's also like important to be more low key about, I mean, this isn't like just a transformation in a pill. This is, uh, a, uh, an on-ramp into onto a path that's probably going to be quite a bit of work. Um, you know, I mm -hmm. think uh, quite a bit of work. And it's going to be work on the part of the person 
taking the psychedelic, right? Like the session itself is going to be work and then integrating and learn, and, you know, and changing your life as a result of what, like, that's just, it's a lot of work. It's a, it's a, and maybe that's the, you know, this is kind of a, I guess, going afield from uh, the question of whether a guide or a sitter or a therapist should trip or not, but it, it really seems like, you know, an understanding that this is sort of a path that when somebody takes this, that they're going to travel and there's going to be a lot of work. There's going to be a lot of change. It's not easy. It's not a, just a, a fix. Um, and that when you're offering your services, what you're doing is you're offering support for someone else's like your, this is your journey. Like this is your path. This is, this is you. And, and we, we can see that it can be helpful. Um, and we can commit to these sorts of, uh, you know, keeping you safe and respected during the experience and, and to offer support before and after, but you know, how you, it's not going to be, there's no promise of it. It's going to be like, this is going to be the result. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's true for, you know, I think, you know, I, I I don't promise a new client that I'm working with that uh, we're going to, we're going to be successful with your anxiety. Like I might share, you know, Mm -hmm. Based on what you've shared with me, you know, it seems like we could do some good work together. Um, I think there's a, a good probability that we can, you know, meet at least some of your treatment goals. Like I might share some optimism with with a client, but I, I think it's most of us are not making promises to our clients anyway. Um, but there is something about the psychedelic thing that uh, I think, you know, sort of pulls for that mm-hmm. big expectation, especially for the clients and many, so many of the clients, at least in my experience who are interested in psychedelics are interested because they failed, uh, or I should say more accurately, they've been failed by, you know, the treatments they've tried mm-hmm. therapy, they've tried medications. And so there is a sort of like, I need something to work and I've heard all these great things. I know this has got to be the thing. I I just know this is the thing for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so then in that case, the responsibility of the, um, the responsibility of the, of the therapist, you know, would be to, you know, again, establish safety and comfort, establish sort of like a, uh, reasonable expectations, you know, reasonable expectations as in like, well, not saying like, well, no, no, it's not going to be a miracle cure because I mean, we don't know what it is going to be, right? Like it's going to be, you're going to have an experience, (laughs) right? And you're going to have an experience that's going to be, um, tremendously outside, most likely tremendously outside of, uh, you know, experiences that you've had. And then, you know, it's going to take some time to make sense of that experience and to allow that experience to help you change your life in such a way that you uh, have a much better experience of uh, that you hopefully have have a better experience of your life because of the changes that you've been able to make but keeping really that sense of autonomy really squarely on the on the person participating um, and then offering support and um, just making sure they stay safe those seem like the basic responsibilities. And going back to something you said earlier, if you're interested in becoming involved in this work and you are resistant to having your own experiences, 
I would encourage, you know, bring some curiosity to that mm-hmm. in a non-judgmental way. I don't think it's bad. I don't, you know, I don't think we need to, you know, uh, you know, make a judgment about you because you're resisting it. Uh, mm-hmm. But I, I would encourage somebody who is thinking about getting involved in this field, but has no interest in trying psychedelics, like just to be like, what is that resistance about? Um, what What's going on there? And, and just to reflect on that and do some work um, because maybe, you know, maybe there is some fear, maybe, you know, there is some uh, worry about a potential, you know, a dangerous outcome or, mm-hmm. um, you know, having something bad happen. So, uh, you know, if, if that's the case, that can be an opportunity to do some work in the same way that a lot of clients who are seeking psychedelics will be working through similar issues like that. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. That sort of curiosity and openness, um, which is, uh, you know, which is curiosity and openness. Like that's, that's a part of the process of, uh, almost all good therapy anyway, I think. Mm -hmm. So I don't know that we brought much clarity. (laughs) Um, I think we brought more confusion, which we did. We did. (laughs) Yes. Because the the initial answer, duh, much, much, much more confusing than, than that. But, you know, I think again, like that's how everything is in this space. It's, there are uh, so many different angles um, that need to be considered and, 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 and talked about and thought about. Yeah, and 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 I, you know, we're not, we didn't get to an easy answer here, but um, I think raise some questions that the field is grappling with, and you know, it'll again be interesting to see how this plays out and what you know, what will be the training requirements as this therapy becomes legal. You know, will MAPS require an MDMA experience to uh, become certified in MDMA assisted therapy for PTSD? Um, I, I don't. I don't think so. My 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 re- remembering of it, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure they said that they're not going to work. They, they're just going to keep it as an altered state experience. So we'll see in the next few years, um, you know, in what direction this might go. That we will. And thanks for listening. We'll see you again in two weeks with Steve Hayes. Mm-hmm.